0: No credentials. Greatest album.
1: Welcome back, friends. We have made it to episode number 52. This is a new one for us this time as we move through the 2020 list. Today we're discussing album number 52, which is Station to Station by David Bowie.
0: Yeah, pretty excited about this one. I've you know, always been a fan of Bowie's music. This is our, uh, the second Bowie album that yeah. we've reviewed. We did... Uh, Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders uh, from Mars. We did that one, I guess, twice. We on the original list, and then we we re released that. Do you want to just dive right into some details there, Ben?
1: I think that probably makes the most sense. Yeah. yeah.
0: Let's let's do that, and then we'll talk about this this important album. Details. 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 Station to Station was released. January 23rd, 1976. Of course it was recorded uh the year before in in LA. Only six tracks on this album, a, a pretty short album uh, in track length, then I think in time length too. What's the what's the runtime on this bad boy? 38 minutes 24 seconds according to Spotify. Yeah, Wikipedia has it a few seconds shorter at 37:57. So okay i don't
1: know if that's uh digital as opposed to yeah. vinyl but uh um, right yeah it doesn't even crack the 38 minute mark
0: all six tracks written by david bowie except wild as the wind lyrics by ned washington music by Dmitri Tiomkin. charted number five in the uk number three in the u.s i don't know why it's always interesting to me ben you i always think that british artists will do better in england yeah and American and and so many of them we've seen Switch we see a lot a lot with like rock and roll like Jimi Hendrix cause he yep. started in the UK so he was bigger there first and some hip hop artists are bigger in the UK but anyways here's another one that's flip flopped number five in the UK but number three in the US so it didn't hit number one but it was obviously well received on both sides of the pond. Um, Commercially not as successful as other albums we've talked about. I think this is going to be an album, as we discussed, Ben, that is really more about the influence and impact it's had on music and other artists yes. than about its commercial sales. Uh, certified in a few different countries, total of 650,000. So a lot less than some of the other albums we've discussed.
1: Yeah. There was a, a quote. Um, i think it's actually in the wikipedia uh article for this album which you know take that with a grain of salt or something like that but the writer i guess said it's it's both simultaneously one of bowie's most accessible albums and his most impenetrable so you know, like <laughs> okay <laughs> an album that uh you know for some people they just get it right away and Everything clicks, and for others, it's just like, "Why would I ever want to listen to that?" and uh, and I think that's fascinating, and maybe that leads to this, uh, you know, one of the greatest albums of all time, and one that doesn't sell all that re- all that well, despite Bowie already having accolade success, celebrity at this point in his career.
0: Right, and we've had some other albums that we've talked about that weren't necessarily commercially successful yet are heralded sure. as, as great sure. or or led to other things or was a sure. precursor for that artist um uh you mentioned he's far along in his career this is 1976 i think his first album was around 67 or 68 this is his 10th studio album so yeah. t- it still blows my mind i mean uh i think the pandemic over the last two years is the first time in decades that we've seen artists just exploding with music I don't know if you've noticed this but but artists are releasing some of them are releasing just a furious amount of music yeah. but for ever since we were kids you know it was pretty common for a band to release an album every three to five years yeah pretty regular pace
1: especially if they already had their sort of celebrity exactly so they, right they fewer for a while take the time off it wasn't the same sort of record industry pressure to always be turning things out.
0: That's right. And so many of these artists from the sixties and seventies, it's an average of more than one album per year. Right. Which is just wild. And they toured. Yeah. And they yeah. didn't have um things like the internet <laughs> 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 to you know to help move things along like you know anything they wanted if they wanted a, a sample or or not not a musical sample but if they wanted a demo or something it had to be mailed or had to be yep. flown or whatever like but still they were doing it like they just worked so hard so it still just blows my mind that in less than 10 years this is bowie's 10th studio album this album station to station was the vehicle for bowie's thin white duke persona we've already talked about one of them is ziggy stardust um was a persona and then he moved into the i think one of the most recognizable from the cover of the aladdin sane album with that lightning bolt on the face yeah and then i think um i don't know if you've seen the cover of diamond dogs where he's painted almost he's got the that red kind of mullet wig and painted almost a yellowy color i think that's i was reading the halloween jack or something but this is the (laughs) thin white the thin white duke this kind of comes from the character that he portrayed. He had just done a movie. He, had, he was starred in a movie called The Man Who Fell to Earth, where he plays uh, an alien, an extraterrestrial, who, who crash lands on Earth. Apparently, he based the persona on that character that he was playing. He was actually cr- criticized for the persona because there were times where he's denied it, but they said that he was um, a fascist sympathizer and right. he uh someone took a picture of him waving and said that he was giving a nazi salute and he said no i was just waving but they caught me right <laughs> in the middle of it and and then <laughs> tried to paint this picture so he he didn't do as well with this uh with this persona this was recorded in la he did it in la he was living in la he was uh one writer said an astronomic dependency on cocaine he had a huge cocaine addiction or lifestyle it was after this album and the tour that he recognized his health was very poor so he decided to move to europe after touring to to get away from the drug culture of la and try and get healthy the significance of that is that he moves to berlin and lives there for for a couple years and then he releases his famous berlin trilogy which is three albums between 77 and 79 uh low heroes and lodger Which are like this uh, trilogy of great albums as well. So it's a wonder he
1: survived this era. I think the
0: um, yeah Yeah.
1: I forget if this was in the Wikipedia article or not, but that his diet during that time was um, milk, red peppers, and uh, cocaine and amphetamines. So um, (laughs) like I can't imagine those four things being the primary things that you put in your body, but. The, um, the saxophone player apparently was pretty, uh pretty avid user as well. Maybe it was the guitarist. Any, anyway, it was, it was significant for the band. And uh, his quote was sort of when you're in the studio and you can feel that wave of creativity, um, you don't want to stop. And so you do another line of Coke and you do more amphetamines just to keep going mm. enough to like mm-hmm. get it out there, get it uh, on the tape and... Uh, it just sounds like a, such a fleeting existence. That, Man, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, he—I know we feel like he died young, right? Like he didn't get to live out a full life. But uh, he could have also been one of those artists who die young, young, young. Uh, you know, in the midst of their the peak of their career, just because oh, of the way yeah. that he was
0: fueling himself. Uh, you know, you you hear so many. I just recently read. Uh, and I loved it. Uh, Elton John's autobiography oh, yeah. uh, that he released a few years ago. Um, and he says a few times, like, I, I really should be dead. Like, yeah. And so many artists have said, like, it, it's a miracle I'm alive. The things I did with reckless abandon, really irresponsibly, selfishly, it's a miracle I'm alive. And some of them have, have you know used that to their advantage and, and have done a lot of good with it. I don't know if Bowie ever said it, but I imagine he would be one of those people who said, yeah, there's probably a lot of times I should have died. But there were lots of artists, for one reason or another, who did pass away, who continued to do. And yeah, no, it's it's just, I don't even understand how anybody lives just day to day like that. But I guess you just keep going. And we've also talked many times on this podcast, and I've had the conversation outside, I'm sure you have, that you... We tell our kids the the negative impacts of drugs and we know how bad it is for your mind and your body and all these things and we have all this great music yeah (laughs) that might not exist without creative and and even literal fuel um we talked about the the great parties and and binging of of Fleetwood Mac where they would just gorge themselves on food and drink And drugs, and then when it was at a fever pitch at two in the morning, they'd go in the studio and make Rumors, one of the greatest albums ever, and so many other things that are were totally drug fueled. That it's like, but how do we reconcile those two things?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, not to belabor this too much, but we've talked at times about mental health as well, and and Mm -hmm. Bowie admits that um, whether it was uh, you know physiological or fueled by the drugs his anxiety and paranoia was extremely high at this time right um, and i think he has said that the uh, the fascism of this character he's at times he said oh that was just an act and at other times he admitted you know i was so paranoid and so amped up on different things that i was digging into things like you know hitler's mein kampf and and uh and and strange religious ideas to just, like, try and make sense of why I was feeling this way. Right. Again, not to glorify those things in terms of artistic creativity, but I think he turned to his music in the midst of this, like, kind of haze and poured himself into that, and so you get this intensity. And I think, you know, the more that I listen to it over the past few weeks, I can feel a drug-induced haze there at times like it doesn't it doesn't always feel like rumors where you're like oh this is this is people just all all having fun like you can feel (laughs) the pain of uh okay the
0: station and i think so we'll move on to the the album artwork uh the cover art so on the original it's uh black and white actually it's a picture on a white background it on the top and this typeface I think is on a lot of his albums, uh, like block capitals but no spaces. So station to station, David Bowie, just all running together on the top. It's kind of I don't know, I, I I do like it, but it's like it's it's weird and makes you like kind of look at it like, and I think that's just adds to the whole David Bowie persona. Uh, but then a photo, and I always kind of wondered what it was, and he's kind of like cut out. I don't know. He's looking through like a doorway or something, but it's the wall has got these weird kind of tube-y things there. Then I'm seeing the on the reissue, it's in color and they've expanded out on the shot. And what it is, it's a still from the movie uh, that he was in. So once you understand it's a movie set and it's you know but an alien, then it makes a little more sense. Um, uh, But that I didn't realize that that's what that was from. So again, it shows kind of the influence of of kind of the film that that it really had a big impact on him and i imagine he got a lot of his ideas from from doing that
1: yeah and it was right after um right around the same time that he was toying with the idea of being the one to create the soundtrack for the film
0: oh okay because he didn't right he did not. Some no, have speculated
1: no. that his um, artistic burnout in not creating the film soundtrack sort of led to the creation of this. Like, right? I don't know what I don't know what to do anymore. Let's pour it all into this thing, and then mm. and then we'll see if we can tr- get back to the, the film soundtrack. Um, it's fascinating to me that there's that disconnect, and yet he still uses this image for the cover. I would have assumed, yeah, you know, if you if you're trying to write something for the film that you would hold off on tying the album to the film.
0: And often the art direction is not the choice of the artist. So right. you could see the the record company trying to piggyback yep. um, those two things. I don't know if the movie was very successful at all. I have a feeling it wasn't since I've never heard of it, but that doesn't it, necessarily mean anything.
1: It apparently does have a big cult following. Um, okay, that makes sense. There's some, <laughs> some parallels to the album that, uh, you know, it wasn't the greatest hit but for those who found it and loved it they they really think it's exceptional okay the the color version that you referenced is uh as you said a still from the movie but and was supposed to be the original cover but uh bowie thought that that looked uh, a little too comic and um he thought that the sky color in there which is sort of funny that he points to that but it's just one little sliver of sky yeah right at, the, at the top he thought that looked fake and, and like a movie set and uh, asked them to change it to black and white and shrink it down a little bit so he did have a voice in this cover at least uh, okay. I don't know if it was his decision to pull from the movie but the sort of final call went to him to say black and white and smaller please <laughs> sort of funny uh, that you know it's interesting at this image. And, and say
0: that yeah i would be willing to actually read all the tracks i
1: was we curious stopped... if you were gonna dive in uh yeah we've got <laughs> well there's only six there.
0: <laughs> we we so we used to do if you we used to do that we used to read every track and then that got a little just laborious at times and we skipped it on some of the big compilation albums um yeah, yeah six tracks it's been. <laughs> it's been a long time um <laughs> side one station to station golden years and word on a wing and side two is tvc 15 stay and wild is the wing sorry wild is the wind yeah uh side one ends with word on a wing and side two ends with wild is the wind so that's i think very intentional on the titles there and the placement there (laughs) I was saying at dinner, or just after dinner, I was listening to it, and my wife was listening to it, and I said, um, It sort of feels like a concept album, but I think that pretty much every David Bowie album is a concept album. <laughs> like, in some could ways. Be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know that it necessarily is, but even just the fact that it's only six tracks and some of them are a little longer, I, we often have said that there's kind of this, even if an album is just experimental. People say yeah. it's a concept album, and I don't. Yep. Um, I haven't always agreed with that. And I think there are some. You know, to me, a concept album is is a is an exploration on on a specific themes, repeating themes, um, whether yeah. they be musical themes or lyrical themes. But I see I see some not some repeating musical themes here, but but some ideas, a lyrical and and musical ideas repeated. Um, so I, I could say it is.
1: It's interesting. I there are two things in this process that we've been going through now for for a couple of years of of listening to new music and trying to listen to albums in in a whole. One thing that often comes up as I'm doing that is, oh,, uh, wow, this song is short or wow, this song is long. you know the the pacing of the song, I think I am still pretty um, uh, I don't know. I have this like ideal in my head of a song should be you know three and a half to four and a half minutes long, and if it diverges <laughs> right. from that, then I feel it. The other thing is the length of an album, um, and I think this is the first time in the you know this significant number of albums that we have tackled so far where I have simultaneously thought, "Wow, this track is still going; it's pretty long," and "Oh my goodness, this album is over! Didn't I just start it?" And I don't think I've ever <laughs> had those two things in the same okay. process. Uh, uh, both. Uh, yeah. This track is too long, and this album is too short.
0: So <laughs> no, my wife said the same thing. We were listening to this. Is this still the first track? <laughs> <I> said, yeah, <laughs> it's a ten minute, ten minute track. I mean, the first minute is is choo choo train sounds. So. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that kind of thing. I can't tell if that was like an audio thing, or like a recording of a train, or whether it was yeah. something. Um, produce something so they, synthesized they so, in the studio yeah yeah like you know like muting the bass the string on your bass to be like a heartbeat you kind of thing right or, right yeah um, making it sound like your guitar sound like a whale uh, other things you can do <laughs> making white noise sound like you know rain lots of things you can do very easily in the studio and I think it was synthesized but that's yeah not sure. here nor there you know we both have enjoyed Bowie's music but we're not I don't think either of us have done a deep dive so, no. had you listened to this album before?
1: No, this project is what sparked my interest in it. Um, mm. Back to the cover for just a half second. Oh, sure, no Bowie problem. Has, Bowie has lots of iconic covers, and I was thinking as I was diving into this, thinking about my own personal interactions. This is not a cover that I'm terribly familiar with. I not only was I not familiar with this album, uh, it doesn't feel like a part of Bowie's canon that I that I have had just by moving through the world
0: <laughs> um, I, I feel yeah i feel the same way i, I did not recognize the cover yeah or, or the album and, and again yeah. I'm, I'm not a, a, a bowie hardcore fan i'm familiar with some of the albums yep but uh no this one not at all
1: it was definitely something that i was not expecting to know much of but i guess with only six tracks you're bound to know one of them if it's a, a great album right. um and I was surprised on the flip side that I actually felt like a lot of this album felt familiar. i uh, oh, okay. Wow. I wanted actually, the question that kept coming up in my mind this week, and I almost texted you a few times, was, you're a guy who listens to a lot of classic rock radio. Yeah, how many of these six tracks would come on? Am I just thinking that it sounds familiar because it's got a Bowie sound that I'm familiar with? or, would I have actually previously heard a number of these songs on classic rock radio?
0: Um, there were two singles.
1: Right. Golden Years and. TVC 15. TVC 15. TVC 05.
0: Now, I hear probably Golden Years because, I mean, the radio station we listen to, I think it's the same songs every day. Uh, you know, so Golden Years is one I think we hear every day. Uh, it's one I assume you are familiar with. Yeah, and and I was certainly uh, it's one I know very very well. Uh, I did not recognize any of the other ones. I haven't heard. Oh, really? uh Tvc fifteen. Um, I I not at all. Um, stay felt a little familiar, but I don't. I couldn't say that I, I remember hearing it. Um, wow. No, they weren't familiar to me at all. And I was. And again, I was a little surprised. I thought maybe I would have heard some of it. Um, hmm. but I hadn't. Uh, not at all. My assumption was that
1: TVC, TVC 15 or TVC 15, uh, Stay, and the title track were all songs that I would have heard on radio before. Really? Um, and that's now making me wonder where I'm pulling that from. If it's a, huh. a collection of songs that start to play after other classic rock albums that I would have listened to from oh. this era, huh. the I, I can't imagine if it was radio that the title track... Is played in its entirety. Like if it is, it's no. got to be a condensed version. But that's got no. a familiar sound and stayed. Definitely,
0: I, I did want to say one thing. I, I started listening to it and, and I hadn't. I didn't really know what to expect. I don't know Bowie's catalog that well. I do know that he's you know pretty eccentric and diverse in his music. I mean, I think I've talked about this before when we did our last review. My dad had a had a, a comp like a greatest hits when we started getting into CDs in the early nineties, that's when I first was introduced to Bowie and I liked it because my friends didn't really know what it was. And it was, it was like a little weird, but, but it was fun and I liked it and it was, it was different. And I, I recognize that some of it was a little, a little kooky, but, but it was, it was special. It was something that we all enjoyed. But then when, when I started getting into developing my own tastes, you know, later on, um, an album that I actually traded uh, a friend for it I had uh, David Bowie's I think it was 98 he did an album called Earthling which was very much like like dance like electronica based um, so and that was like I liked that too because it was very yeah. different and I was kind of like hopped on a bit of that kind of electronica fad in the late 90s just kind of experimenting but it was like Oh, David Bowie's doing this? Well, that's kind of cool. Something from my childhood that I enjoyed, and something that's kind of new going together, which is like not really what you'd expect a guy in his like 50s, kind of an aging rocker to get into that, or 40s right. maybe at the time. Right. But um, so going into this, because of the bit that I knew, I, I, I didn't know what to expect. i tell you what I didn't expect. I didn't expect it to be like a, a full on 70s rock album. like almost prog rock just straight up and down like i'm not saying it's simple but it it is to me it's a rock album like with yeah well produced um you know it's not just straight you know verse chorus verse chorus four four time like there's some there's some musical complexity here uh so that kind of surprised me and i'm not sure why because it's not like i think that you know david bowie's music's going to be basic Uh (laughs) or simple but but it was just like oh this is like i I don't think of like you know 70s rock and roll when i think of david bowie Right, Um, right i think of like a little more experimental a little different a little pushing the boundaries you know or that early 70s late 60s stuff like on you know space oddity and and the um the ziggy stuff like it's a little raw it's not polished like 70s rock yet or like the mid 70s rock like the food mac and the eagles stuff so this to me was more like that um still very much david bowie but um more of a 70s album i don't know if that's something that you felt the same or or how you felt about that but that kind of surprised me
1: pressing play the first time i thought this is this is boring and a bit too long and then the album is a bit too short but the more I've listened to it the more it has it has grown on me and I hadn't really thought much about genre because I guess I think Bowie was a kind of an evolutionary chameleon like he he, he is eccentric and coming up with a lot of different sounds but he is also borrowing from whatever was, was currently going on so it doesn't surprise me that this is sort of a rock anthem kind of has some rock anthem qualities to it. Right. Um. Uh <clears throat> Golden Years is the one that I knew the best, but probably the one that also feels like it doesn't belong with the rest of the uh songs on this album. Yeah, I, when would I agree with when you. When I saw that that was on there, I thought, "Oh, okay, so I'm going to get more of that like kind of laid-back kind of almost funk-inspired rock music." And it's not. Um sort of especially with the opening like long-running mm-hmm. uh, yeah. title track you know you feel like oh my goodness where is this where is this train going where is this next station when's it going to end um <laughs> and what are we going to yeah. get along the way there's also some some interesting sort of lyrical decisions like even tvc 1-5 i think it's 1-5 and not 15 because that's how he says <laughs> it in the song
0: Okay, um, yeah. But
1: that line, yeah. TBC15, I think I could have heard that on the radio and assumed he was saying something else because it, it's said so quickly and frequently. Hmm. I don't know. I think I've always thought Bowie is probably an artist who <laughs> people misunderstand what he's saying just because of the way he sings, his unique voice, uh, what it would have been misunderstood as. But uh, um, yeah, it's a. I don't know. I, I've i really this album has grown on me. The more that I've 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 stuck with it, and uh, the next song will come on and be, like, oh yeah, this is on this album. Oh yeah, instead of sort of like, oh, glad that one's over. There, there's like almost an optimistic like excitement for, for what comes next. And yeah, so it's been an interesting journey to go to right. go from like first play being like, uh, golden years and not much more, and now like <laughs> oh. i i feel like i've known these songs for a long time
0: (laughs) that's cool to hear your journey through it i i would agree with you that the songs have a lot of depth yeah Uh, there's a lot to dig into there some of them don't require too much of you initially and other ones like i think the first track i there's almost like three parts really to the first track yeah like as as kind of a bit of a music nerd, I can dig into to different parts of that and I enjoy it. You know, you got that throughout. Um, I think a lot to yeah, you know, a lot to dig into.
1: Yeah. Oh, I I see now that um, upon release, Station to Station, the title track was also released as a single in France. Um, that was oh. only three minute forty seconds long. So maybe there is a radio a radio version out there that uh, <laughs> that you've heard. <laughs> I would have heard of in the past, but. I wonder which of those different uh, themes among that one song they chose to cut and which ones they chose to keep.
0: Did you say it, it was a single in France?
1: Yeah. A promotional single that kind of came out leading into the album to get people excited.
0: Were you traveling through Paris or, or something one time and it was just on and it's Maybe. Been embedded yeah. in your... Uh... <laughs> I've never been to France but let's say that that's the case. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's hard. I, I really like Golden Years, but it's hard for me to listen to it without thinking about um, a movie that my sister and I watched a lot, uh, A Knight's Tale, from oh. late late in our high school years. I don't know if you've seen that one.
1: That's Heath Ledger?
0: Heath Ledger, yeah. But uh, there's a scene where he's, <laughs> so he's impersonating a, a knight, a noble, and he's invited to a ball. So he has to fudge it and he's also fudging where he's from so they ask him to do a dance and he starts doing a dance and his uh love interest comes to his aid to help him create this dance and then the music slowly melds into golden years and they all start <laughs> dancing kind of 60s rock <laughs> style freestyle in his in his castle it's, ridiculous and campy and a lot of fun so um it's hard not to hear this without thinking about that (laughs) scene
1: well and this it's so fascinating because i don't think that it was intended this way but you know bowie had this uh rock uh persona and edge to him in the 70s but i think that song is now on like rectile dysfunction and retirement savings and luxury automobiles oh. <laughs> like it just seems like a song that gets used whenever people are like heading into the sunset and the retirement uh, in in commercials and uh yep. yeah to you know i guess it's it's bound to happen when it's those people who listen to his music initially are the ones retiring but uh yeah i i listen to that song and think man that you know when's it going to be used or misused next
0: <laughs> yeah the title kind of sets it up for that <laughs> I yes, guess, un- right. unfortunately but um, it does sound out of place um, it, it's it's a great song like what a great song um, yeah. a lot of fun it's got that great kind of almost 60s almost beach boys feel but it also fits in kind of a 70s rock setting the other thing that surprised me even on the first two tracks i'm hearing if you listen to some of the drums, kind of the uh, the way the drums go, a bit of a disc, like some disco influence as well. Yeah, which I didn't expect. It's subtle enough, but but that's the other thing about Bowie, and he, I think he was already getting kind of a pull back to Europe and into Germany, and then things that were happening over there, like like uh, krautrock and and craftwork, and kind of uh, this uh, even in the '70s exploration of synthesizers and electronic. Uh, early or very early electronic music. Yeah. You start to hear a bit of that, but you also hear things from a decade earlier. So it's like, and you hear things like, like I wouldn't expect disco to be a part of this album, but, but there is (laughs) all these different influences again, all this, but like, while coked out of your mind, um, like barely surviving physiologically, you know, like it's, it's, it is, it's sad and tremendous, all at the same time. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, and uh, layered with that is this piece of 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 the persona in this era that we only know in hindsight that Bowie has no memory of this time. Right. But, yeah. Uh, I think he has like one or two faint memories of this time in the studio because of the impact of cocaine on his life. So, it it mm. might be great, but it's like it was created in a fog and created right. by someone yeah. who wasn't their full self. Mm. I listened to that I, and maybe it clouds my my listening but I think about how sad that is that uh someone can simultaneously create something great and have no memory of that of that process or what went into it um and that that makes me a little sad that uh uh we're all we're all just sort of savoring that dark moment of of his
0: existence <laughs> that makes me uncomfortable yeah (laughs) you know and and i I don't think that's bad necessarily but you know it's um not it makes me uncomfortable not just because of this almond boy but but how how frequent that is in a lot of the music we're discussing we do nothing but benefit from it from from some of those negative experiences right we we get we get this this art um that they've shared with us
1: yeah and usually in society when someone is that you know blackout drunk or high uh, sort of look down on the person and be like oh like clean clean yourself up like you can be better right. than this right or or do you need help and instead right. uh, this is a moment where we kind of like savor that yeah yeah it feels like an exploitation <laughs> that I I don't uh, it makes me uneasy and um, yep uh, yeah, I, I even think in one of the interviews that I watched where he was talking about this era and admitted that he didn't, couldn't feel anything, uh, the interviewer said something along the lines of, oh, man, I wish that would happen to me when I can't remember uh, a moment because I've been so high. And I I thought, like, really? Like, we're, we're sort of, like, jealous of his blackout brilliance and um, yeah. <laughs> that's what we yeah. want to hold up about this this thing. Um, and yeah, sure, that's... Yeah wouldn't it be great if our you know if genius came out of us even in our darkness but um, I don't know it, it feels painful too so yeah
0: yeah before we go on uh, I guess we should pick tracks for our Spotify playlist yeah. we have a playlist it's called sound logic favorites we pick two tracks from each album but there's only six <laughs> <laughs> how about you go first which one would you pick from this I mean it's unique it's a unique album it is Um Good question. Let me just
1: think about this for a minute here. I'm gonna pull it up again on Spotify.
0: <laughs> the tracks, to me, the tracks are so different from each other. There, there are things that tie them together, but they are also very unique tracks. So, I find it difficult. Um, I'm kind of leaning between two. I'm so tempted to just pick Golden Years because it's amazing, but but I also kind of want to pick something else. Uh, so I'm. Do you mind if I go first? Yeah, go ahead. I think I'm gonna pick Stay second track on side two it it's catchy it's a little more upbeat it's got you know a lot of that kind of uh, percussion it's got some of those very typical david bowie lofty wavering vocals kind of floating over top and it's a really cool track and i think that's my pick as much as i love golden years and it's Mm. a great song i think stay is my favorite that's the one I want to represent this.
1: My assumption was that you were going to go with Golden Years, so now I'm not quite sure what to do here.
0: <laughs> I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know Golden Years. That's true, so. yeah. <laughs> I think,
1: you know, the futuristic album cover with, uh, you know, space film references, um, TDC-15, I think, is about a computer of some kind. Uh, and right. Right. I think it fits if this is a concept album. It really does fit in that like kind of spacey concept. So I that, maybe I'll go with that as my my choice. I really like "Stay" too, and um, so I'm I'm happy with those two choices. And "Golden Years" is really a great song as well. So yeah, there's some good good choices that we've got here.
0: Tvc15. It it still surprises me. It's got that kind of I don't know the, this uh, lonesome cowpoke. Riding through yeah. the you know, kind of thing, the way it starts, and then it it's we- it's weird the way it starts, but then it turns into something else, and it's uh, yeah, yeah, it's very interesting.
1: Yeah, it's got some moments that it's kind of like a dance
0: discoy tune, right? And, yeah,
1: uh, and yet it's got a kind of minor key and the in the, re- the constant refrain throughout it too. Yeah,
0: yep. No, that's good. My overall comment uh, was classic David Bowie as metamorphic as ever <laughs> yeah. you know to me it, it was just it, it was when I say classic David Bowie I don't mean that it all sounds the same but it like it sounds like him it's him experimenting with lots of different styles of music with with different instrumentation with his voice different and he just has this ability to just change these different things not just with you know his personas to actually being different people from time but musically within one album it's just like they're almost they fit together but they're so different at the same time and it was just even with six tracks you know that you can have a diverse album with six tracks it's pretty cool so yeah Yeah. that was that was kind of summed it up for me
1: um, the rumor is that, that this was, was churned out and that if you sort of added up the studio time, it was really just 10 days of really intense work. Um, and I guess that's not too wow. extreme for uh, only six tracks. But I think about that and wonder, you know, in all we've discussed in this episode about the influence of cocaine, the mental health struggles, and back to our, you know, early conversation about the prolific nature of artists during this era. If he should have just gone to Germany, uh, you know, sort of cleaned up his life and got back on track, what this would have turned out like. Um, mm. I, find, I find myself wondering if it's 37 minutes and 57 seconds because that's all that the producers could, like, put up with of this, like, coked out person um, <laughs> pretending to be an alien. Uh, or if you know, they could sense that they were watching greatness and, and just let him roll with whatever came out. It feels somehow great and incomplete. And I guess it, it, it makes me feel uh, both appreciative that we got to experience it and it just with a touch of sadness <laughs> through, right. through all of that too. I think Bowie is fascinating because of his willingness to innovate while borrowing heavily on the past. I think especially for young artists who are trying to uh borrow and create with with stuff from the past i, w- I would hold up bowie to say like here's an artist who seemed to um, be at his best when he was experimenting and uh so i think i think this is relevant as like a touchstone for for creative uh, genius. uh I don't know how this would play, necessarily, if it were released today, but I don't think that's why this album is great. I think it's great because it's someone struggling with a lot, searching for something, and coming up with, with something really fascinating and, and creative, and uh, so so yeah, it's relevant for that reason.
0: I really like that because that's what I wrestled with, you know, how does it hold up today, but that's not the whole of relevancy, is it? No. Something I was pondering on as I was thinking of this was, you know, it, it was new sounding, uh, but also drew on past sounds. We talked about that, you know, it's and it's and it also it sounds like a 70s album. Like it definitely, you know, you can tell where this came from when you listen to it. Based on that, I was like, I don't know if it holds up today, but but I think there's so many elements that uh, you could certainly as in any of the music we've listened to, you can follow the chain through to today, you know, pretty easily. I think what you said about Bowie, in general, and just who he was, is you know that's going to be relevant, um, and and somebody just the way he created music, um, and I think the story a bit of the story behind it, um, and I always think about what our guest Bob Brown said, you know, being being sincere and genuine will always be relevant. Bowie was always trying to. Define and redefine himself and reinvent himself and and come up with new personas. And and he was always changing. Uh, And that's, uh, if not relevant, at least very compelling. Yeah. (laughs) And if something's compelling, then, of course, it's relevant. (laughs) Otherwise, you wouldn't be compelled to. it, Right. So I think sometimes I I mix up relevancy with currently accessible or desirable. Uh, And they're not the same thing, but yeah, I think it's I think it I think it for those reasons is is relevant, if not directly relevant, certainly for those other reasons. I would agree with you. So we want to talk about was this position on the list sound logic at number fifty two? I think important to note that it rose quite a lot, yeah, almost three hundred spots. You know that's very interesting, and not too far away. It's only twelve spots removed from the from the rise and fall. Ziggy Stardust which was number 40 I think initially my knee jerk reaction was you know no like for one for an album that I don't feel is as recognizable um, is as popular is one that you go to a lot of people's houses you know and they've got the CD or the record there but I feel also feel like I don't truly understand the depth of the influence Mm -hmm. that this has had over the years yeah. Um, and the influence on, on artists into the late 70s and into the 80s. And then, of course, setting the influence of, you know, I th- I think music historians would probably talk about the Berlin Trilogy and how important that was for music, which, again, is something I'm ignorant to. And this really sets that up, or is kind of his jumping-off point. I'm not sure why, I don't quite understand why it's so high, but I, f- mm-hmm. I think a, a deeper dive would, would show that this is really heralded as heavily influential um and therefore needs to be up here i I, want to know what you think about it
1: yeah i'm glad you brought up uh previous rankings um i was just looking back to the original list all the way back in 2003 this was uh, there were six bowie albums on the list way back then and this was kind of middle of the pack um actually close to the bottom in terms of bowie albums uh Ziggy's always been the, the first one that, that comes up, uh, but mm-hmm. it was it was behind uh, Hunky Dory, Low, and Aladdin Sane. Um, Changes one was the only album by Bowie that came after it in the ranking, uh, so it has leapfrogged uh, a few of its uh, Bowie siblings uh, to to rise up to this this point. I guess what I'm noticing in myself. Is uh, an early dismissal followed by a, a real warming over time. And I, I wonder mm-hmm. if that is what's happening in the voters too, as people go back through Bowie's canon and re listen to things, try and reevaluate. Maybe there is something about this on on uh, a repeated playing that starts to showcase something that you didn't notice before and and what makes it. Kind of Rise up in in terms of Bowie and his legacy. I don't know. I don't know how much the the Thin White Duke persona and the chaos of the mid seventies cocaine use in L. A. How much that plays into the myth and the legend mm. and the legacy of this album. I, I guess I kind of want to hold out my <laughs> was it sound logic ranking to until we've listened to the other Bowie albums and, and can come circle yeah. back and say like, oh okay, okay now I can see why it's here. Um, I'm also a little bit perplexed as to why it's here. I liked uh, Ziggy a whole lot more. And, and for me, at least, that mm. felt like it had more more substance for me to really wrestle with. Partially because it's longer and more tracks and things. But I, I left that review thinking, oh, I really got to go back and dig deeper. And this one, I feel like I'm getting to know it. But I, it doesn't make me think I really got to return and, and find out what else is there. Um, uh, despite the fact that I'm growing to really like it, so <laughs> I, I, I'm a bit I'm a bit perplexed, and I, I would say uh, hmm, maybe final answer. This is a fine position. I wouldn't be surprised if it drops in another future ranking.
0: But yet, so curious that it's vaulted. Yeah, so right. high, you know, so yeah. interesting. But if this truly was uh, based on a on a vote, then a lot of people.
1: yeah. I like your... Hold it, it
0: as very significant. So, anyways, um, uh, I'm looking for... I, we, will, we will be reviewing uh, Low, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but um, I'm interested in listening to that Berlin trilogy of albums, which I haven't done, but I'd love to do yeah. those in succession. Um, and check that out. So, before we wrap up here, um, we will... You know, Bowie's a pretty prolific artist. Uh, you mentioned he is... He does have other albums, so we will talk about Bowie again. We already did uh, Ziggy at 40... We're here at 52. Uh, next album, Hunky Dory at number 88. And then Low at 206. And then Scary Monsters at 443. That's a new addition. That wasn't on any of the other uh, lists. And there's two albums that got dropped. Aladdin Sane was on uh, the first two lists and the coffee table. And Changes One was on the first list and the coffee table, but not on the 2012 list. So that that's... Uh, a compilation album again we, we've already talked that this new list trends away from those uh, and a lot of those got dropped but that one got dropped even after the first list so uh, three more opportunities to talk about Bowie on this list which uh, I think again says how um, not only has he pr- did he produce just a large amount of music and a ton of albums but uh, how important he is to rock and roll and to music in general absolutely yeah so that's it for david bowie this time ben would you tell us what we got coming up uh, on our next review yeah we're uh, revisiting an album here coming up next we move on from
1: this to uh, number 53 spot which is the Jimi hendrix experience and electric ladylands that had previously been at number 55 and was one of the final albums that we reviewed in our, our first attempt at the 2012 list (laughs) Um, so we'll be back with a a few more thoughts to see if anything's changed and to replay that original episode uh, next week
0: awesome looking forward to that until that time we hope you continue to stay well we hope you take care of yourselves and those around you and of course we hope you'll join us again next time right here on the Sound Logic Podcast thanks everyone and take care